Ten days to go till Christmas, Shannon. Have you got your shopping done? Oh, are you kidding me? I think I did it in July. No. Seriously? That would, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm the king of Amazon these days. So anyway, how are you feeling? Same. So not good. Well, I, you know, maybe a little bit better, but okay, good. still worry, not worry, good. I worry about you. By the way, there's somebody uh, that wants to check in and see how you are uh, that? right now. So, uh, well, just a, a friend of the show, guy that, uh, you know, is uh, rather in- enjoyable. And uh... oh, my gosh. <laughs> Hi, coach. A little surprise visit here. Bruce, Bruce was really concerned how sick you were, Bob. So. Well, I'm a little under the weather, but he's not that concerned. He's worried about his hockey team. Well, he shouldn't be worried about his hockey team. Holy old bald-headed, 5-0. and oh. Are you the king or what? No, but it's, it's something I didn't envision, quite frankly, when you got here. But it's, uh, it's been cool so far. I guess so. Well, what have, you been, what have you been saying to these guys? Or did you bring them a, uh, some extra, some, some different food or something? No, to be honest, Bob, uh, um, I, I just kept thinking of the formula that I used when I first went to Anaheim and first went to Washington. And, and that was basically that I always thought they were a good team. Uh, you guys are good. I'd be telling them you're good. And every time they did something good, I would praise them that they're, they're good. And you got to start believing in yourselves. And, um, uh, and it sort of uh, like, uh, took effect a little bit and then you know but at the same point when they didn't do things right like after the first period yesterday I don't think I was saying you're good anymore I was pretty hot at them in between periods and they came out and and they played so much better in the last two periods so did you make any fundamental change in the way they played did you institute something tell us I did change pretty well everything um the defensive zone coverage is completely different. Uh, the forecheck is different. The neutral zone is different. Um, the the basic aggressiveness, I want the D joining plays. You know, uh, uh, if we're gonna lose, I want, let's, I want us to lose by us making mistakes uh, and instigating rather than letting teams instigate against us and, and be the ones uh, saying how, dictating how the game is gonna go. Bruce, one of the uh, one of the noticeable things was that you were uh, putting a lot of more of the high profile guys on the penalty kill. How important was that? Well, I think it was important to them. Um, uh, a lot of times, you know, depending on uh, how much everybody's playing, it, you you would think that um, you know the bottom two lines are the penalty killers, the top two lines are your offense type thing. But uh, I, I've found in the past that you know, I mean, when the uh, you put your offensive guys killing penalties. If they're willing to do the little things to kill the penalties, their offensive mind takes over when you got the puck. And there's usually a lot of advantages for that. And plus it, it makes them feel much better about themselves. And which is probably the most important thing. And when they're getting a little more ice time, whether it be two minutes a night, um, uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, to their psyche, it's, uh, it's a lot better. Uh, was last night's uh, victory over Columbus the most gratifying so far, given the way it, it materialized? It was fun. Like, I mean, you love those games when you're successful. I mean, it doesn't, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't happen very often, but it, it gets the crowd going. It gets uh, 
the players are all excited that the uh, in the room after the game. So it's a, it's an emotion, it's an emotional time, but it's a, it's a really fun time. I mean, you don't want to have to do that every day or this little chubby little body will, <laughs> will, will go in, go in shock. But I mean, every once in a while winning like that is pretty cool. How tempted were you to keep Demko in goal? I, uh, you know, I was, but I mean, I mean, we can't keep him in forever and we got a back to back coming up and, I, I was thinking, you know, to throw um, Yarmo, Yar, uh, Yarrow right in to a back-to-back -back without being played, it's usually the back end and the team isn't playing as well, uh, I thought would be not very successful. So, I mean, when the team is playing well, let's get him a game. And and if he can gain some confidence and you, and you get him going, because I have seen him play extremely well in one particular playoff. And... Uh, um, uh, he could, uh, you know, you could have Demko and him. That's a pretty good combination of goaltending then. Well, I don't think you have any political aspirations, but if you wanted to run for mayor of Vancouver, now would be the time you know that, Gabby. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so stupid. I've, sometimes I feel like Justin Bieber or somebody when they're <laughs> chanting. <laughs> It's ridiculous. I, you know, but I don't want, I want them to, it's nice, but I want them to stop because I want them. I don't want to make it about me. I don't want to make it about the players. And uh, uh, it's, it's, it's great, but it's embarrassing at the same time, if that makes any sense. You mean, you mean I can't be chanting Bruce, there it is. Bruce, there it <laughs> no, is. You and just shut up. You do the show like as good as you do. That'll be very good for me. <laughs> hey, um, uh, you were a former centerman. Um, Bo Horvat, the winning goal, starts it with a face-off uh, and ends it with a deflection from JT Miller. Uh, have you seen anybody better in the NHL in the last few years than Horvat at face-offs? Uh, you know what? He's good. He's not the best. Um, uh, you know, he, he's just a little, he's, what, 55%. Uh, uh, I was, well, I was really lucky in, um, in Washington, when we had like we had Steckel and Gordon and on both right. sides, I mean, we we were like I think we were they were one and two in the league or two and three in the league at the time. Um, Kessler was really good. Uh, Bo does his job. I mean, it was pretty lucky. I wanted to put uh, Pedersen out so badly there, but I wanted Bo to take the draw, so that would mean. Pedersen would have to stay on the bench and consequently he got a, he got a goal out of it. So it, it worked out pretty well. So it leads me to the question, how do you, you know, Pedersen's one personality, Besser's another personality. Those are the two guys that until you got there had underachieved. What, what, what did you tell them? I just keep telling them they're good. And, uh, and to shoot the puck. I mean, both of them are great shooters but mm -hmm. if you look at their shot, their shots, they're, they're they were getting zero to one a game, and uh, um, that's not going to cut it. So it's it's uh, when they start getting five and six a game, and I, I would tell them about Obi. You know, like he would shoot the puck fifteen times at the net. He didn't care if he was thirty feet wide or if it was on the net. And and eventually, uh, six or seven of them would hit the net, and one of them or two of them would go in, and. Uh, so far, they're buying in a little bit. Well, now you got to go on the road. What do you go, San Jose? San Jose and then back against uh, the Leafs. Well, 
tell us about the COVID situation. You know, you, know, you were, jo- you joked about uh, getting the guys tested like five times, but well, um, where, we where, te- you, where are you guys at with that? We were tested again this morning. Um, and then we'll get the results before we go to San Jose later on today. I mean, it sure does put a, a crink into it because you really can't practice because um, the sweat and the, everything, you know, if you've got it, it can pass it to somebody else. So, mm-hmm. uh, um, so we're going, trying to do this stuff without practicing, which is tough for a new coach and a new team um, because we want to get things, things right. But it's, uh, uh, it's, you know, and we'll get tested tomorrow again. And uh, we're down four players right now. Hopefully we don't lose any more. I mean, the Calgary situation is, is bad enough. Uh, and I think, with the Vancouver guys, they're all a little, you know, I mean, in the first period last night, we were so tentative because they're all a little worried about what could happen because they've all been through this before and they knew how mm. terrible it was last year. So, I mean, uh, uh, hopefully um, getting through the game, if nobody is, is got, got it today, when we get into the plane, uh, I think it'll alleviate a little bit of the, the, um, the mindset that they're, you know, that uh, uh, they won't be nervous coming into tomorrow's game. Before we let you go, just one quick word on Scott Walker and what he's done. He's great. Loved him as a player, had him at the end of his career. Um, he's uh, not only smart, he's affable. He, he, he um, uh, get not only gets along, but he identifies with the players. Um, uh uh, there's not a bad word I could say about him. I mean, he knows his hockey. I mean, uh, when we were doing the um, uh, the Team Canada thing, we had a meeting last week or the week before I, I got the job here, and uh, uh, we, we were going over all the, the penalty kills and the power plays, and I just loved the way he was uh, designing up the penalty kill and how he wanted it done. And uh, um, we had talked about five years ago, uh, maybe joining, you know, if I need an assistant and then being there watching that once I was knowing he played in Vancouver, when they asked me about the job, I, I thought he was a perfect candidate and he jumped at it and just the quality guy that he is. He just, he paid his own way out to Vancouver, obviously got reimbursed, but I mean, uh, uh, jumped on a plane and came right out the, the, that night. So was, mm. he's a, he's a quality character, man. And, uh, I'm lucky to have them. Now, do well, you know all I, the players' names yet? Not all of them, no. But and and they're all getting ticked off at me because I put the lineup on the board. I spell everybody's name wrong. Well, <laughs> you got Pods Killing, you got Hog Bladder, you got Lamb McCall. I mean, I don't know how to spell these guys' names. So Pedersen has two T's and two S's. Who would ever think Pedersen has two T's and two S's? I didn't. Okay, just so. just, just use numbers, Bruce. That's what the numbers are for. Yeah. I know, but we won the first game when I put the names up, so I got to continue to put the uh, names up. We lose. All right. Well, we're going to let you go, but I, I know you've been busy the last couple of weeks with this new gig, and I, I and you probably haven't had a chance to listen to the podcast. But all Shannon has been doing is taking credit for getting you the job. Oh, um, yeah. for because we had you on like a, what a week and a half or so before you got the Vancouver job, and yeah, you know, he's he's analyzing that. Um, Somebody in Vancouver obviously saw the great job you did in analyzing yourself and your, your skill set <laughs> and what you would do. And that's why you got hired. So I just well, wanted to let you know that's what's going on here. 
I appreciate it, Bob, but uh, uh, John has texted me and said that you're taking credit for this. So <laughs> you, you guys better get straight. What a pile of dung that is. <laughs> I've, I, 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 I concede I've taken credit for your entire miserable career, but not yeah. this part of it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Get back to work, Bruce. Listen. All right. You guys Thanks, pal. Good. See you okay. later. Talk to you soon. All the Bye-bye. best. See ya. There's Gabby Zludro, the head coach of the Vancouver Canucks. That was a surprise. Well, it's, it, it was, you know, it's kind of like, remember when we were kids, the Johnny Carson walk on when Bob Hope would show up? Yeah. Yeah. There you well, go. that's good. And believe me, folks, I had no idea that no. the producer had lined up uh, this guest. He obviously told Shannon, but uh, in, in desperation, in desperation today, he lined it up. Well, <laughs> it doesn't surprise me that Gabby said yes. He's, uh, I know. he's a good friend. Yep. Uh, another good friend is going to join us in a bit. Damian Cox will be with us. A little, uh, well, he covered the great cup, right? Yeah, he did. So we'll, uh, well, he's Hamilton boy. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that and about hockey and COVID and maybe Steph Curry who uh, sure. set the record last night. Uh, Damian Cox, when we come back after these messages. Well, we don't often have two guests on the same program. Well, so if we do, we have them together. We don't have separate guests. Correct. But today is kind of a first. Well, so, you know, it was just, it was just a, you know, it was a chance to get Bruce today and it was just, it was, it was spur of the moment. Well, we, we appreciate it. And so thanks yeah. to Gabby and we wish him good luck in San Jose as he goes for six in a row. Yeah. And I'll bet it's been a while since uh, the Vancouver Canucks won six in a row. Um, certainly not this year. Damien Cox joins us. You look beautiful. How are things? Are you all right? Can you still hear us, Damien? I can still hear you. You froze for a second there, and, and, and that was nerve-wracking, but everything seems to be okay. As, as okay as anything can be in this world these days, right, gentlemen? Well, ain't yeah. that the truth? I, I was gonna. I think you should have introduced him as Damien Cox, Cub Reporter, because he went back to the beat on Saturday and Sunday, didn't you, Damien? Well, you know, it's. Uh, I, I still have just enough energy left to cover <laughs> cover one football game, and then I have to take a few days off with a couple of extra naps, and then I'm okay again. Now, Hamilton's hometown for you, right? Yes, sir. If it wasn't ha- in Hamilton, if the Tie Cats weren't playing, would you have done it? Uh you know, that's uh, probably, I mean, probably not. Um, I mean, no, I mean, it, you know, that's a complicated question because I mean, I still write a couple of columns a week for the uh, Toronto star and I still travel to do things for books and stuff like that. So, you know, it always depends on the situation, um, you know, whether it's, whether it's worth it. So, you know, I'd, I'd still like to go to a great cup in, in Regina one day. Um, yeah. you know, I mean, I've been to one, but I'd like to do that again. Um, and Hey, if ever they managed to put a team in Atlantic Canada, um, that would be an amazing thing if they were able to build a stadium, put a team there and have a great cup. So never say never. Well, maybe they'll move the Argonauts there because they, they haven't got a solution but, for that situation at all. I mean, we've been talking about this for 20 ever, years, ever, 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 40 years, 20 years, Bobcat. Well, when, I mean, there've been moments, um, you know, where when cinnamon and Sokolowski owned the team, I thought they were fairly stable for a couple of years there. And, and that's been the case. Well, it was the case when MLSE bought the team, we thought, okay, now 
you know, it doesn't matter how many they draw. They'll put their might behind it. They'll, they'll couple tickets with Leafs and Raptors. They'll force people to buy everything and blah, 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 blah. And they've done a shockingly, what promo did they do this year for the Argonauts? Virtually nothing, right? I didn't see a thing. No, and uh, and I think that's that's got to send alarm bells off to people. I mean, sure. all kinds of talk, particularly after the the, uh, the flirtation with the XFL. Exactly how committed is MLSE? Um, you know, are they committed beyond now? Might they just throw the keys on the table um, sometime soon? I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule anything out. I think the funny thing is, is uh, and you know, the three of us knew uh, and know. David Cinnamon, Howard Sokolowski. And it's funny, they got out of it because the league refused to, as a group, step up and say, okay, we're going to help fund the Argo operation because it's important to the league to have the Argos doing. We need some mm-hmm. financial help. And lo and behold, what does Randy Ambrosi propose last week or announced That they're going to have revenue sharing and that the other teams are going to help Toronto and all this. You know, they have not been forward-looking in this for a long time, and now you wonder if it's too late. Well, well do you think, first do you first think of it's all, too I, late? Sorry, John. No, do you think it's well, too just late, for, yeah. yeah, it's it's too late. It, I mean, it is too late. There's no there's no coming back. Now, you know, if MLSE is willing to eat the losses for, um, you know, another five, ten years, or they can find somebody else, they can keep going. But in terms of... I mean, you guys know it as well as I do. I asked my son, he's 23. I say, do any of your friends watch the Canadian Football League? He says, nope. Yeah, that's the key. It's two lost generations in, in Southern Ontario. And not across the country, but in Southern Ontario. Um, because there are, there are young people that do go to games in Winnipeg uh, and Regina and Calgary and, and, and I think in Ottawa and Edmonton as well. So what could you do? Could you have one or two games a year if you're the Argonauts and you say <clears throat> anybody under the age of 16 gets in for free? You got to come with somebody who's going to do it. You got to get people there. Mm-hmm. And we can argue about television numbers. John, I'd be interested in your thoughts on the numbers that they're talking about, these new streaming numbers and all that sort of stuff. But they got to get people to the ballpark. They got to get people wearing Argos gear. They got to get people talking about the Argonauts on the, on the subway and at the local Starbucks, you know, and when our good friend Pete Keith Pelly was doing it, he was literally in my neighborhood and a lot of neighborhoods going door to door to door. Mm-hmm. To talk to people. They don't do that anymore. You know? Mm-hmm. So I think it's gotta be a, a, a grassroots kind of thing. And, you know, which may take years. And has anybody got the patience to do that? Well, that's the one thing where you think that MLS might have the patience. Because in the end, when you consider the revenues that MLSC has uh, with basketball and with hockey, uh, the Argos are a drop in the bucket. Uh, they're, they're a drop in the bucket com- comparative, comparatively. They're, they're st- it's still millions of dollars, but it's a drop in the bucket. And we know darn well that one of the three owners of MLSE wants the Argos to stay because they own the television rights to the whole league. Uh, so that we know that Bell is, Bell actually bought the team originally with Larry Tannenbaum themselves and then convinced Rogers to, to come in as part of the MLSE family to, to, to buy the club. Um, the, the problem is that MLSE doesn't really know how to talk to 
um, a large group that isn't into, in, into either basketball or hockey. They don't. And that's the problem. Uh, you know, the, the soccer team, you look at the issues the soccer team is having now with attendance. Um, and there's a hardcore soccer group. Readings show that. It's about 100,000. Uh, the question is, is how, to your point, when you talked about Keith going door to door, how do people re-engage with a team that they not, they're not sure exists anymore? And that's the problem. That really is the problem. And particularly in a universe, and this is kind of still shocking to me how this has developed. We have two 24-hour sports television networks in this country. And one of them behaves as if the Canadian Football League does not exist. And that's Sportsnet. Mm -hmm. uh, they, for their reasons of business, and I think we all know why they do it, they just don't do anything with the Canadian Football League. And then the other part is in a lot of ways, TSN, in a lot of ways, they behave almost as the promotional arm yeah. of the Canadian Football League, which is a strange reality. And how do you communicate that to people at a time when, look, we're doing podcasts. Newspapers are not sending reporters and, and reporting in many of the cities, the bigger cities, on these teams the way they do. How do you get that information out there and get people excited about it? How do you get Bob McCowan going? At, and it wasn't that long ago or something, Bob, you know, where, well, maybe it was 20 years ago where something would happen with the Argonauts and we'd talk about it and it oh, was, yeah. and that doesn't happen anymore. Well, no. Um, I really don't know what the future is. There's been a lot of attachment to um, MLSE's purchase of the Argonauts being based upon the discussions with the XFL. And that seems to be a dead soldier right now. The XFL says they're going to play next year, but we've heard that next year, next year, next year, next year. Um, I mean, I think it really comes down to Toronto fans uh, looks look big and they look south. Yeah. Do you think if there was, if the Toronto Argonauts or the Canadian Football League had nine teams in America that they played a, a, a schedule with, even if it was XFL teams, but there were teams occasionally coming in here from recognizable U.S. cities. Do you think fans would be more inclined to go? I don't know. I don't know. That's. I mean, what, I. Say what I is it though? And 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 then I think about and I look at what's happened with Toronto FC. Now, is that a soccer thing or is that a Toronto? sports community thing that if you could create that same energy because the los angeles galaxy or the new york whatever they're called are coming into town could you do the same thing with the canadian football league it didn't look that way when they tried it in the early 90s no so that executed in better fashion would it work ah, oh i mean i don't know that's it. That's well, the, the one point of difference would be that it, I assume the XFL, if it, it exists, will have a television contract. Oh, Whether yeah. 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 Okay. Do you know who, do they have a deal now? John, do you? I know? don't think so. I, I don't think so. The, the other league in the United States, the USFL, uh, has just signed two different contracts with Fox and with NBC to do football. So the, well, that was, that's the other spring, that's the spring league, right? Yeah. 
you know, well, what, whatever the case is, I think the, the one chance I give it, I mean, what, do I, what the hell do I know? We've all, we've had this conversation hundreds of times, hundreds of times. <laughs> and, you know, we can never figure it out. As smart well, as I, yeah, I would say if, if the XFL has a, a television deal, a serious television deal, and, and Torontonians, not Canadians necessarily, rest of Canada seems okay with the CFL. If Torontonians can turn on their television and see a CBS, NBC, ABC game that involves the Toronto Argonauts, regardless of the quality of play, regardless of what they call the league, Boy. maybe that gives it legitimacy. But, I, I, you know, you're grinding your teeth, Damien, and I agree with you. I don't know. And the, the difference is the three of us have been around long enough to remember when the card the CFL always had to play is we score a lot of points. We throw the ball. We score points. That NFL thing, if you want to watch like 53, you know, rushing plays for three yards a game, then go watch that. But if you want excitement and throwing the ball and guys making catches and players, you know, catching 150 passes a year and quarterbacks throwing for incredible, come and watch the CFL. They can't say that anymore. Nope. No. The NFL. And, and that's Randy's biggest issue. That You're right, Damien. That's Randy's biggest issue. That's why, that's why you know, last week that he, he said anything's on the table yeah. in order to improve the game. I mean, do, do I, I don't suppose we're going to change the size of the field, but why not? Uh, I'm not, a, I, I'm, I'm opposed to going to four downs because I don't want another American football league uh, in, in our backyard, but it's got to be, it has to be considered. You have to think about these kind of things in order to try to make the game um, more entertaining. Cause right now it's, it's not that entertaining guys. The one thing I would do, and I would only do one thing and that's go to four downs. I wouldn't change the field. I wouldn't change the rules. I wouldn't change the number of players. I wouldn't change the rouge fair catch. I wouldn't change anything else, but I go to four downs. Why Damien? Yeah. Cause I think it creates more chance for offense. And you, I think you made the point. You made the point that we lived through an era where the Canadian football league outscored the NFL by miles, mm -hmm. more passing big plays. Um, I don't, you know, I, maybe you have to figure out a way to limit the number of running plays they, they have, but if you have a passing league with four downs where the ball isn't turned over on a regular basis, yeah. uh, where, where there's a chance to score more points. So that's so the I mean, idea. I think that's interesting. I'd be interested to know how that would play out. Um, you know, and whether it would create a better game, I worry that they don't have the access to the talent. That they used to well and i i think that's a bigger issue period yeah like that that's the thing but I'll, I'll tell you the one thing that has bothered me for years and that and i'd really look hard at to see what i'm not saying changing this would change everything is the yard off the line of scrimmage yeah. well that's interesting yeah for one thing it creates the thing that drives me create my friend who's a big cfl fan he says oh there's no in the kicking game in the nfl Blah, blah, blah. Nothing ever happens. I say, yeah, I get that. And I think you're right. And I said, but you know when I get tired of watching when I watch the CFL? 23 quarterback sneaks a game because it's so easy to get one yard. Would that make a difference? And then you loosen up what the defensive players can do on the receivers and open up the game and let your athletes play? Maybe, maybe, you know, like you say, Bob, 
we've been having this kind of conversation about this, but I guess what I'm saying, and I think John, you were about to, to talk about uh, the access to the players, but you know, we can, we can blame MLSE saying, what did you do to sell this team? But you got to have something to sell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I'm more concerned. I, I I'm more concerned. Like, like this is not a knock at anybody who played on Sunday. Um, but you know, Dane Evans, Mazzoli, you know, they, they don't throw the ball like Warren Moon did. They don't throw the ball. They don't play the game like Doug Flutie did. There was a, and, and to me, the quarterback position, and we've learned this in the NFL for sure, the quarterback position is the position. You could market, market the NFL around 32 quarterbacks and you're going to have a good league. Um, the, the, the quality of quarterback in the Canadian football league is not near what it was. And I don't know why that is other than perhaps, you know, there are four quarterbacks on every roster now in the NFL, one that's inactive and the other two are sitting on the, on the sidelines, the money that you can get for, I mean, we had Bo Levi Mitchell on the show, gosh, before the season started, Bob, remember? And, and he turned down a million dollars a year to be the third quarterback in Denver, the third quarterback. So they're not getting the, the and, and, and Mitchell's a good quarterback, but they're not getting the quality of quarterbacks in the Canadian Football League like we remember and that we yearned for in those days because there are better opportunities to play in the United States. Well, and one thing that they used to be able to do, and again, the three of us remember this, is the Canadian Football League, because they were willing to let African-American quarterbacks come up north and play quarterback, they sure. got access to a whole lot of guys, including Warren Moon and a bunch of other guys. Well, now, obviously, that's spigot, and thank God it's been, it, it, it has been turned up in, in the NFL. They're not, you know, there are the most outstanding player in the uh, – in the NFL a couple years ago was an African-American quarterback. Yeah. Canada does not just get access to those guys anymore. So they've got to figure out something else. These are all like, there's so many things for Randy Ambrosi to consider as he tries to figure out ways to make this work better. Well, it was a COVID infected year for the Canadian football league as it was for all sports. And that hurt them and attendance was down and, um, I think the generally the interest level was down. They better bring it back. And you and know I'm what, not Bob? Just talking I, Toronto. That's a really good point. And and I I think the interest was down because they were the one league in North America that we follow that made a conscious decision not to play last year. Well, they couldn't. And, I mean, economically, I I I don't. I'm sympathetic to that. No, no, no. I I'm I'm not I'm not blaming them. I don't think I, what I'm saying is though. But people learned they could live without it. Yeah. There was yeah. a little bit of something to say, well, I, I, I miss the CFL, but I'm going to do something else today. So when it did come back, it's going to take another year for them to recover. I Maybe. think, you know, and we talk about Toronto and Vancouver and John would know this better than most. The situation in Edmonton, if I'm Randy Ambrosi is terrifying. If you can't sell Canadian, the Canadian football league more effectively in Edmonton, yeah. have well. they turned it off permanently or just because the Elks, became the Elks and then became a really bad team. Um, you know, can they fix that? Because if they can't get the people to come in Edmonton, boy, oh boy. Yeah. It's fixable. Problem, right? It's fixable. There. 
Uh, we got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll chat some more. Uh, Damien Cox is with us back after these messages. It's McCowan. It's uh, Shannon. And then it's uh, Damien Cox. Kind of a reunion show here a little bit. Uh, did you watch Steph Curry last night? I didn't. I was watching uh, a few other things, but I mean, I've been following it like everybody else. And uh, I was trying to make, uh, and you guys might know this, you know, Patrick Waugh changed hockey because of the way he played goal. Yep. Uh, Curry has changed basketball because of the way he shoots. hundred percent. And I don't know, is there a football equivalent? Is there a, is there a baseball equivalent uh, of guys who have changed the game? Because like, if you track from when Curry came into this league and the number of threes and the way the three is used and all that sort of stuff, he changed everything. Well, well the interesting one thing of the for things, me is, like like would would they always said that chamberlain changed the game a lot because of his size and his athletic ability and then it was lou Cinder, kareem abdul jabbar changed the game i would tell you that i think that that curry's changed the game more than those two guys did that he that's that's how impactful he has been um and and, i mean the other thing is is that that how many bad years has curry really had that's that's to me is the fascination with what he how he plays the game. Well, I'm not sure he's had one, has he? I mean, relatively speaking, he's had years that are better than others. I understand yeah. that, but yeah, a real bad year? No, no. I don't and and so. I and when we talk about, you know, he was also in my mind, he was the first guy who regularly said, "I don't have to stand one inch outside the three point line when I shoot. I'll yeah. shoot from 25, 28, 30 yeah. feet if I have to." And I'll make a bunch of them. And that that's a change that, that I now see. I see guys launching. Well, Fred Van Vliet will launch the odd 28. Damian footer. Lillard. Damian Lillard is the, the best. There's another like one. You well, know, I mean, there have that been, didn't happen in the early days. Right. There have been attempts. There were always attempts to change the way the NBA is thinking. I mean, we remember Paul Westfall and that whole thing and what he. Sure. Yeah. With, but to me, what it was, was Curry changed the math. Because he said, you know what, I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna fire up this many threes, and yeah, I'm gonna miss a whole bunch of them. But guess what? Those threes, by my count, are b- worth more than your twos, and therefore I can miss more of them and still be ahead at the end of the game. And everybody else gradually caught on to the, that point. Now, I think there's a debate um, whether, and I I don't know what you guys feel whether that has made for a more entertaining NBA game, the constant threes or a less entertaining game i think that's a debate um but boy he there's no question he led the change it's a different game it's not a uh, i don't think it's a better game i think it's just a different game i mean we used when when vince carter was at the at the peak of his performance for the raptors it was a world of slam dunks it was a world of of the circus and and espn sports center uh, and 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 the the whirlwind of, of, of dunks that he would do, uh, but to me, what's happened now is uh, totally different uh, from that perspective. And and he has changed the game that way so many different ways. I actually don't like the game as much as the way it was played before. Um, I did two, you know, I mean, every team plays basically the same way. You got two wingmen that go out into the corners and stand outside the three point line. And then the game is played at the top of the key with some pick and rolls or, or just picks and try and cut off of that. And you go into the middle and then kick it out. Um, yeah. 
you know, yep. you'd, ra you'd rather take a 23 foot three than a six foot layup. Mind you, if you watch the Raptors game last night, they could use some practice at six foot layups because <laughs> I don't know how the hell many layups you missed. I mean, honest to goodness, when you're in grade school, the first thing you learn when they give you a basketball is okay. Layup. This is how you yeah. do it. Yeah. And, um, and these guys can't make one, um, you know, standing on the beach and they can't hit the ocean. So, um, but I, I don't like the game the way it's played as much today. I miss the guy playing with his back to the basket and feeding it into him and him either. I mean, my favorite player was always Bill Walton and the way he was able to take the ball and either turn him, score himself or find other people that, that post game, both for offense, uh, shooting the ball and passing the ball has largely disappeared. But uh, I mean, the intensity of the NBA on a regular basis is so much higher than it was during the eighties and nineties. I mean, they, I think so. It's it's an incredibly competitive competitive league um, with tremendous athletes, you know. But uh, there are parts I miss of it. But you know that makes us makes me sound like an old man talking about. Yeah, I used to like it when uh, you know Joe Cap was quarterback in the BC Lions. I mean, that, yeah, well, that's changed, right? You know, well, so yeah. yeah, but it hasn't changed that rapidly. You know, I can recall when Casey was with the the Raptors. We used to have discussions all the time about how many touches um, they would have, how many passes they would have in a sequence before they shot the ball. And mm -hmm. we talked about ball movement, quick ball movement, whipping it around the perimeter until you got the open shot. And we used to, oh, I, that's fantastic. And he used to teach that. Raptors don't do anything like that now. They don't care if there's one touch, five touches. Well, there aren't there. How many count the number of plays in a game where five, five different times guys, Raptor guys touch the ball before they, they hoist it up. It's very rare. Yeah, very I, rare. Mean, I think we're dealing with such a difference in quality and talent on the roster right now and experience. Well, there's uh, some of that. But we, I also, agree. we also remember, you know, how many times did we watch DeMar and Kyle in the final uh, possession of a core of a half or a game dribble, 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 mm. and then try to make a, an individual play. I mean, that is the NBA. Well, well, I mean, we used to also lament how come DeMar doesn't go to the hoop. Why doesn't DeMar go to the hoop more, you know, rather than taking that 18 footer uh, nope. that he loved, that he loved to take. And ultimately though, what, you know, why one of the reasons they moved on from DeMar and to Kawhi and what they is DeMar couldn't shoot the three. Right. Got to be able to shoot the three and uh, Kawhi could do that. And uh, anyway, uh, before we let you go, I, I understand you've scribbled another, uh, another book. Is that true? Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, uh, the, the Bob McCowan uh, unauthorized biography I'm working on has taken longer than I had hoped it would. So it gave me an opportunity to work on another one. Yeah. I wrote about the, NHL last year and about you know the all Canadian division and playing in a COVID season and the only problem I'm seeing with it now is we might be heading right back into the same situation I thought it was a one-off um, but already you know you're hearing talk about a pause and COVID is obviously just as present for the National Hockey League right now as it was last season um, but maybe the book more yeah, the book was was kind of a snapshot of a moment in history in my mind, um, and it ended up being you know I did a lot some different things with it and got every team stuff on every team 
So hopefully people are going to buy it and like it. Did, uh, uh, did, did you get a real sense, Damien, of, of whether some teams liked it more than others? Uh, not like the season or like the... Like the, like, like the all-Canadian style of the division. Oh, I think, you know what? I think a lot of them liked it a lot um, early, and then it kind of changed. Yeah. I remember talking to Brendan Shanahan about it. And he said, I think this is great. I mean, I just love this. And I remember talking to Kenny Holland about it and how special he thought it was. The one thing I think that it kind of undermined it at the end was that the, the playoffs in Canada ended up being a bit of a dud. Winnipeg swept Edmonton. <laughs> Toronto, that was a pretty good series. It went seven. It was kind of strange. And then Montreal went in and swept Winnipeg. And so the playoffs mm -hmm. that we hadn't anticipated, we're going to have these great series and it's going to be amazing. That didn't materialize. Um, but I thought it was an interesting experiment and a different way to look at the NHL from a Canadian perspective because it feels – it has felt for me uh, for a long time that the uh, Canada was uh, – had become – a second thought in many ways to the NHL, despite the fact of the revenues that are driven by the Canadian teams. And um, I mean, if not for Canada last year and that all Canadian division, I mean, there's just no way they did not generate the same interest with all the American teams playing at each other. So I thought it was a chance for Canadian teams to put their stamp on the league again. Did you, do you think, and, and I don't want to steal from your book, but do you think that there's lots of teams that are lamenting, that they missed their opportunity like Montreal took to get to the Stanley cup final. And that it, it, that was a bit of a hangover. Well, we know Toronto did. Um, yeah. I mean, they're lamenting the chance and uh, I don't know. You know, the problem was that is towards the end too. So many of the teams got screwed up by COVID. I mean, we know what happened to Vancouver. Um, and so, you know, it, I think, I think in a lot of ways, while it was a unique experience, I would imagine a lot of the Canadian teams just want to forget about it. There was no, you know, there were no fans in the stands. There were, it was a short season. Um, and, you know, I think there was excitement um, that was created by the Canadian teams playing each other and some logic in seeing teams go into a city and play two or three games. Yeah, That hasn't been revisited, but it might be in the future. But uh, I don't think anybody wants to go back to that. Do they lament their chances? They lament their chances every year again. I'm sure Mark Shifley wishes he hadn't smashed into whoever it was and wrecked. Jake Evans. Yeah. So I liked it. I'd go back to it, at least, uh, or, or maybe on a limited, more limited basis somehow. I don't know. I know Shannon hates it, but Shannon's a you know an old school traditionalist, and a and a real hockey puck. You know, and you can't yeah. you can't change him. You know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he's he, he would rather there were seven guys on the ice. Well, listen, I, I'll, way, I, I'll, 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 he was growing up. Bring back the rover. Bring, bring back the rover. Back the rover. All, all, I, all, I, all I, I could think of was when we were when we were playing nine or ten games between teams is remember when the six team league existed and they were playing each other 14 times, <laughs> 14 times a year. And nobody yeah. seemed to complain. Well, I'll tell you, I, you know, I, I thought a lot about this. Cause you know, you, you went off on, on all this stuff. We all grew up with a six team NHL where they played. Well, you did. Times. You did. I, I was an expansion child. So. Oh, fine. Yeah, sure. You were. <laughs> I didn't think that's when he started saying F I didn't think that's what the word he was. Gonna use. <laughs> but, but here's the truth. You knew every player on every team. 
Sure. And a whole bunch about them. And I'm not talking about three media guys who are supposed to know a lot about every team. Sure. You're t- I'm talking about, uh, you know, a, a seven, eight, 10 year old fan who read the newspaper every day and watched a few games, a couple games a week. That's all we got to see. But you knew who everybody was and you knew what their skill set was and you knew how many points they had, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That comes from repetitiveness. And what happened for me last year was I got to know the other, besides the Maple Leafs, I got to know the other Canadian teams. I agree. Because I agree. you got to <laughs> see them all the time. I can't, Bruce, I can't Bruce, assimilate Bruce. 32 teams and all the players in the league seeing them once or twice a year. I can't do that. And I'm not interested in doing that. And I think that's one of the things you miss. Bruce Boudreau doesn't even recognize the players on his own team right now. So, well, there you go. <laughs> well, I mean, and you know, it's like old school, like do we, do we yearn for the days when in baseball, when the national league didn't have crossover games with the American league? Yes, I do. I mean, cause we were in American league city and we knew the American league team, specifically the teams in the American league East. I mean, look, the NHL is too big. It's too swollen. You know, they treated uh, expansion like this wonderful thing, which it is not. A 21-team NHL would be perfect. 21. You mean the original 21, Damien? Is that what we're... Exactly. That's what it was when I started covering. <laughs> 1979, the original, the original 21. <laughs> how, about the, how about 12? 12 would be oh, plenty for me. Yeah. We're, we're not going to put a team uh, west of the Mississippi, that's for sure. Hey, look, guys, look, what we all know is as long as there's a team in Arizona, because clearly that's what most do whatever you can. You must have an NHL team in Arizona. Oh, and we were having so much fun. (laughs) And by the way, I hate to give you this geography lesson, but St. Louis, Missouri is west west of the Mississippi. Mississippi I know. I know. (laughs) Okay, doctor. Okay, doctor. Uh, Coxie, uh, what's the name of the book, by the way? Do you remember? John. I can't remember. Sorry. Well, it was it was a little bit of a playoff of, of a movie. It was called A League of Our Own. Ooh. Uh, well, we wish you good luck with it. I mean, I mean, it's it available at Indigo and Chapters. Yeah, and and mm. I'm still working on the unauthorized biography. It got some really juicy stuff. Actually, I got it all from John, so it's going to be really good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lawsuit waiting to happen (laughs) bring it on baby bring it on uh good to see you thanks pal always a pleasure all right guys have a great again soon okay Uh, if we don't see you happy holidays to you and the family uh damien cox we'll come back and wrap it after these messages all right they tell me we have four and a half minutes to fill yeah i'm stumped well uh we we really didn't address uh we did a, a bit with both guys, with Bruce and with Damien, about the COVID issue, Bob. But I mean, there are 27 people in the Flames organization now in, in the protocol. 27, uh, including 16 players, three coaches, eight, uh, eight you know, members of the training staff and, and, uh, and, the, and the front office. Um, you, you know, there are, you know, Carolina. Carolina has players in hotels in Vancouver, they're stuck there until Christmas. Players in hotels in Minnesota, and then they're back home in Raleigh. They got them all over the continent. This is, uh, 
there has to be a, a, about 17 red flags uh, with what's going on. And, and in addition to what we talked about with Matthew Schneider yesterday with their concerns about COVID. So I, I just, in the look what the NFL, I mean, there's, I think the Rams and the Browns have uh, closed their training facilities. This is not just hockey. There's, there's something obviously spiking right now that it has to be of great concern for, for many people. Well, the Browns, their their court starting quarterback and their head coach have yeah. both um, contracted the COVID virus. And that's the that's the second time for Stefanski because remember during the yeah, playoff he got it he, last he, year too. He got it last year too. Yeah. So yeah, and he's had three shots. Yeah, and I mean uh, they just announced uh, this uh, earlier today the OHL the Erie Otters have have closed down. We're starting to hear now that there's the potential of uh, non essential travel for the Canadian border being yeah. shut down again. Uh, you, are we, are we, it feels like forever ago, but are we, are we back to March of 2020? Are we back to where we were before there was a full shutdown, uh, on the, uh, not just of sports, but of, of almost of life. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you one of the things that may be impossible to track, but that I would love to know if you've got this high a percentage of players contracting the virus. How many of the 18 to 20,000 people in the stands yeah. are contracting the virus? Well, good and question. that's a number I've never seen. And, and yeah. should, you know, theoretically, we should be able to track that. Yeah. Now, it used to be a time you went into a restaurant, you had to give your name and phone number and many places you still have to now so that they can track you and let, I guess, in some ways, let you know if somebody that you were, was in the restaurant yeah. with you yeah, yeah. came down with COVID. This is but, also just, a, in many ways, Bob, though, this is just a reminder that anybody that thinks the vaccinations were a cure, they're not a cure. Clearly not. No, but they weren't supposed to be a cure. What they were supposed to do is make sure that when you, if you did get COVID, that you wouldn't have bad symptoms. And, and that, that is proving to be uh, accurate in, in all this. It's, it's not the greatest time. It's difficult. And with holidays coming, what, you know, you have to wonder with holiday gatherings, what's going to happen with families. It does, uh, it does rear uh, its ugly head uh, quite, quite severely when you think about what could happen in the next uh, month or two. Well, contemplating going to the Olympics, as we have done, seems um, a ludicrous exercise with what's going on. Yep. Um, and maybe of greater discussion over the next few weeks will be should leagues like the NHL continue to operate the way they have been? And the answer may be no. The, the, and the answer may be they can't. Right. Not right. they shouldn't. Uh, we got to get out of here. We'll be back uh, tomorrow, maybe with another surprise guest. Who knows? Our thanks to uh, Bruce Boudreaux and Damian Cox. We'll see you tomorrow. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.